So I have a confession. Okay. This is... <laughs> this has nothing to do with Christian Bale. Is this going to be a, a, <laughs> is this a theme? It might be. It might be. Evidently, I don't tell you the truth unless we're doing a podcast. Huh. Um, so, you know the conference that I went to, the ELA conference that I just went to? Mm-hmm. And you know how it was a two-day conference? You met someone? And you know how I was going to stay overnight and go to the second day? Yeah. So, I did all that, except as it turns out, I actually missed the first day. <laughs> You're kidding me. I wish I was. <laughs> not only did I miss the first day. Wait. Not, uh, not only did I miss the first day, but when I got to the hotel, they were like, oh, we had you as a no-show because you didn't show up yesterday. And I was like, oh, my God, I even booked the hotel wrong. Wait a minute. You, hmm? So, wait. I know, I know. None of it makes sense. None of it makes sense. You booked the hotel correctly? I booked the hotel correctly, but didn't actually show up. Wow. On the right days. <laughs> what is going on? That is that. I mean, there are Samantha-isms and then there are Samantha-isms. Oh. And let me just leave you with this thought. I forgot to pack something very important. What are you guys doing? The Landscapes and Pancakes Podcast. Wow. There are a gajillion aspects to the green industry. All right. I just want this podcast to be real. It's not always fun. What? But I think people go through this. I know. None of it makes sense. We are the ones designing and we are the ones building. We respect each other. Respect. So we actually recorded this podcast about a week and a half ago. And based on everything that's going on, we definitely felt like it was important to redo that podcast to address the elephant in the room that we're all dealing with right now, which is this coronavirus. Um, it's definitely been a transition for us, and I'm sure it's been a transition for all of you. But I have to say, I am so grateful that we have this large project going on that's really kind of keeping us busy and keeping us focused for right now. True, true. And I guess we're in the middle of that project, I would say. So there's a sense of security, or is it a false sense of security right now? Yeah, no, on this mic, there is no security, no, so I don't think I would say that. No, it's an odd time, and the kids have been home for not even a week. And just so you know, Mama, they're in the bathtub right now with their bathing suits on, pretending, <laughs> pretending like they're at the beach. <laughs> so I can't imagine what week two, three, and four has in store for us. It's going to be interesting. It is. It is. But, you know, we're figuring out as, as a family how to kind of pull it all together. So while I'm doing work, they're doing schoolwork. I've got them kind of on a schedule. There's some playtime involved. There's schoolwork. There's art. So And we'll some get site through. visits here and there. Site visits. Which there's something to be learned about, you know, oh, being on the job site. And you don't know about this, but there's cartwheel club. Cartwheel club. Yes. You could still do a cartwheel? Oh, you would be so very I've impressed. never seen you do a cartwheel. Yes, you'd be quite impressed. Huh. You never lost it or you regained cartwheel capabilities? Never lost it. Wow. Never lost it. Good on you. But I think one thing that we've been talking a lot about a lot lately is the fact that, you know, because we have always elected to stay small as a company, when big things like this happen, it feels like, or at least we're hopeful that we'll be able to kind of get through it um, mm -hmm. pretty unscathed because we've decided to kind of keep our company small. Yeah, I think um, my mindset, I guess, I guess it started when we started. So we incorporated in 05. 
And I remember talking to builders and people in the business, and they kept telling me, we're at the top of this bubble. This bubble's going to burst. It's a housing bubble. And uh, in 08, it burst. So we were, either, we were able to weather that storm, but I think because we came up through that time, I know that's always been in my mindset, not to overextend ourselves and you know, get into a lot of payments and debt and those sorts of things. Um, what do you think? Is that, has that been something that's been in your psyche? I don't know if it's particular to that time. I think that's just my general nature. Yeah, I guess that's more your personality. Be yeah. very cautious about everything that we do financially, which I think has served us well. Yeah, I think sometimes maybe we've been overcautious. It's hard to say. I mean, because we're here. No way. I mean. No way. No. Like the time you wanted to buy the, let's see, there was a forklift that you wanted to buy once. No, that was a, well, yeah. Oh, that wasn't the lull. That's right. That was a good deal. That was a good deal, though. The forklift was an amazing deal. Right. So I I think my cautiousness has kind of grounded you a little bit. And when you really, truly felt like you've needed something, then I've listened and been willing to figure out a way to make that work. It took me a long time to get into that mindset. I think I always tended to to, to look out like what other companies had and, and I would think I need to have that. I need to be at that scale. I need to be doing that. So it took me a long time to be okay with this small boutique style. And I I think gradually started to learn that the caliber of stonework and some of the things that we're building are real intricate. And we would lose a lot of the detail should we go big and get multiple crews. Uh, But it definitely, definitely took me a long time to be comfortable with that. But I also think, too, once we had that first payment going for our track loader, our Bobcat track loader, because that was the first real piece of machinery we bought, I think you started to realize that the bigger you get, the more machinery you need, the more overhead you need, the more employees you need. Mm -hmm. And now you're constantly chasing your tail to be able to make those payments, pay your employees, and then it becomes a constant run for trying to get new jobs in. Right. And I think if we had multiple crews going, we might have to, like I was saying before, sacrifice the quality and take on some jobs that we wouldn't necessarily want to take on. Um, and that that's for sure. When you talk about overhead, it's interesting, but cu- because we are so small and there is so much overhead to just have one crew like we do with the excavator, now we have two and we have the loader, we have the two dump trucks and the multiple trailers it's a lot of overhead for a small business. So there's, there's definitely a fine line where more labor could make, I think, those payments more tolerable. But um, that's just a, a balancing act that I think we've, we've come to grips with. Right, but only if you have the work to support that labor. So that's there's, true. There's that's absolutely true. a pro and con to, I think, being large and being small. You know, it's funny because we had an interview with someone for a position here that works for another company. And I've learned a lot about this company where there are 10 employees over there, all of which, for what I'm led to believe, are off the books. So they're being paid cash and not at a very impressive rate. Um, if we had to take on more work, Samantha, we would potentially have to be estimating jobs that they're estimating. And it's like, it's just, it's apples to oranges where we're paying people on the books. We're trying to pay fair wages. So that's the kind of work I think that we would be chasing. Right, which I'm certainly not interested in. And we wouldn't, I mean, that would just be a waste of time because we could never compete. You know, with so much uncertainty, it's um, 
it's interesting to think about because when we were even in 08 we didn't we didn't have an excavator we didn't have our loader at that point so we didn't have those payments we had an f-350 and we had a dump trailer right and um we did a lot of rentals and we brought in subs when we needed to um and we did a lot of work by hand um, it wasn't fun all the time, but we did get it done. And like I said, we're here now. We got through that that phase. Um, and there were years during that recession that were bad where we really got just enough work to make it happen. Like our Matunic project. You remember that season? Oh, yeah. Of course. I don't know if we'd be in business if we had that one project. Well, I'll say this. I think running a business anyway, running a successful business is, I would say, 95% incredibly hard work and 5% luck. So I think some of the projects we've gotten, we've gotten at the right time uh, just when we needed them. Yeah, you say that, but that Matunic project, okay, that came from their Providence residents. And the backstory to that was they met with a couple companies, one in particular, our client told me she was so turned off by the mason who came and quoted that original job because he sat in their driveway, he looked at the project and threw a price out at her. And that turned her off completely because he put no effort into it. He didn't put it in writing. And she thought he was just highballing her. Where I know when we ended up doing that project and more work for them on that site, our final invoice was for much more money than he threw out at her. It was just, it was his approach. So you say it's luck, but. Hey, wait, no, no. I said 5%. 5%. Well, so maybe. it was luck that they decided to move forward with their project when they did. I guess. And they hired us and trusted us. But the fact that they decided to do that project, I'm putting that in the 5% luck category. Interesting. Hmm. But so maybe, anyway. Maybe I disagree a little bit. That's okay. That's what this podcast is for. Yeah. Well, anyways, we should transition to talking about the project that we have now that I am so very thankful for. What did we manage to get done since we last spoke? Boulders, 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 boulders. Can you believe it? They're done. That's amazing. It is. So that was that was a little bit of a slog because um, the guy who supplies the boulders, he didn't have his labor force come in yet because it's so early, even though it's like incredibly warm out. Um, and then he had his labor there and they didn't have a machine there and the machine needed to be maintained. And it's just this whole situation where we couldn't get the boulders. So the first couple days was working with not enough material. It was slow, but we got two loads delivered, great stuff. And we were able to make a big impact and, and go right across those, those walls. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I am at a point now where I am uh, finally getting to the planting plan on this project. Mm -hmm. So we sort of established a planting budget that I have to, God help me, try to stay within. So, so that was for the entire project, the planting budget? Yes. Now, did you divide it up between the back and the front yard? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's interesting to tell the listeners about like how that comes about. Like what point in the process do you give them that planting budget is that the final estimate well this project didn't kind of work out the way i normally end up doing projects because i normally have a full detailed budget not budget i mean estimate for every single line item that we present but there were so many stops and starts with this project both from a design perspective and then choosing materials um, that i ended up 
making sure that they had numbers, solid numbers for all the hardscaping. And then I felt like I just needed to kind of work off of an estimated budget to give them an idea sooner about what the entire cost would be. So now I've kind of established this budget based on experience, based on square footage of planting. And now I have to try to stick to it. Yeah. So, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So that on this project in particular, a lot of things changed. A lot of elevations changed, I should say, based on how they built. So we were gathering information at different times. Things were changing. Um, and their budget, their overall budget was changing, right? Because they hadn't finished building the house. And I don't think they had solid numbers as to where they were going to land. So we had to really finesse um, our numbers based on you know, the, um, the media that they wanted. In right. That and overall it, and landscape. It, at some point we had, a, at some point we had to start actually building the project. So it was important that they had the biggest numbers. And then as far as I'm concerned, this is kind of auxiliary numbers, but I wanted to make sure they had an idea of the full scope. Yeah. And that's interesting now. And this happens to us quite a bit on some of these bigger projects. They'll take out X, Y, and Z, you know, during that final presentation of the estimate, and then they'll start adding back in X, Y, and Z or adding, for instance, the irrigation, which thank God they're doing. And the lighting. Right. Okay. They're doing the lighting now. Uh, it would seem that way. So, so that was thrown out. That was thrown out. The irrigation, irrigation was I was out. really kind of in a frenzy over because this is a big property, which they're, I mean, to, to, to water it, forget it. I don't think they realized what they were getting into. So that's good. But yeah, I'm surprised they're putting the lighting in now. Yeah, no, I think they realize how important it is just based on the lighting that they did in their house. They can kind of see how important that is. So it'll it'll all work itself out. Um, I have no doubt about that. So now that the boulders are done, we're able to do the French drain around the back of the house to match the front of the house, Samantha. And we got our perforated drain behind the boulders as well, all out to daylight. So... We're in good shape. We're going to be doing a lot of work with Phil. We're going to start loaming up the gardens, basing up the patio, and um, we'll stay busy. Right, right. So if I can get my act together and get the kids to just kind of do their schoolwork for a little bit, then I will have this planting plant out the door next week, and I'm pretty excited about that part. Good. I, I don't know how you do it because I was here today. We had a rain day. Every five minutes, it's mama, <laughs> mama. <laughs> Your mom's not home right now. She's not here. Um, they're sweet, but boy, they're high maintenance. I don't know how you get anything done with them here. It's nice to be loved. I'll say that. It's much. nice to be loved. <laughs> they yell your name until you respond. They'll be in the, the other room or you'll be upstairs. Or you won't even be here. And it's just mama, mama. And then it gets louder and louder and louder. And I let it go, hoping they'll figure it out for themselves. And then finally, I'm just like, she's not here. I know, I know, I know, I know. Well, let's uh, let's kind of move on to the next part of this podcast, which I'm pretty excited about. Oh, me too. So today we have Paul Camara from Spring Green Landscaping here to talk with us. And um, it's pretty neat because I think Paul has a smaller company too. He's elected to stay on that smaller side of things. And I think it'll be very interesting to get his point of view on all of this. Yeah, I am super excited to talk to Paul. He's a legend. So let's do this. So we are super excited today to have Paul Camara of Spring Green Landscaping from Exeter, Rhode Island with us. Thank you. And I'm going to start with some really tough questions. Okay. Are one, you ready? One word answer. 
One word answer. Here we go. Asphalt or asphalt? Oh, jeez. I've been known to say asphalt. Okay, it's hey, it's fine. It's and fine. actually, it's a funny question because my wife actually gives me a little bit of hell over that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. We're not done. Ready? Loam or loom? Uh, loom. I know it should be loam. It should be, <laughs> but definitely, I, I did. I grew up with loom. And it's okay. sorry. No, no, no. It's good. <laughs> it's, it's wrong. Good. I know it's, it's good. wrong. It's good. It's good. Okay. Actually, I'm gonna fix that. I've erased loam and loom from my vocabulary now, and it's topsoil. There you go. Boom. There you go. Yeah. Um, Samantha or Samantha? No, with the A, Samantha. Oh, yeah. excellent, excellent. <laughs> so now, so R- Rhode Island, for, for our people who are not from oh, this Rhode is, Island. Oh, this is what the, this is the Rhode Island thing I right. got. You yeah. know? Oh, so I'm like, what, what are these kind of weird? But yeah, you're right. This is a Rhode Island thing. Yep. Okay. So for people that aren't from here, we're the smallest state in the country, Yep. obviously. But... The, the dialects, the different dialects throughout the state, it's very diverse. It's insane. So we can, we can narrow down, for the most part, geographically within the state where someone's from based on the dialect, right? So the Samantha, that's the, the island. That's a Quinnick Island, is it not? Portsmouth, where you grew up? That's all over. Is it? That's Massachusetts, Rhode Island. Yeah. 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 But like if you go from, say, East Providence to Cranston, right? It's like within 10 miles of, of one another. Mm-hmm. It's in completely different the way people talk in the accents. It's wild. So Rhode Island has this, you know, everyone thinks they know what the Rhode Island accent is, but it's just all over the board. Well, it's funny. We actually did an Instagram survey on this. <laughs> wow, people <laughs> pronounce different things. It's just funny. Um, and because Neil and I grew up in Rhode Island, even though we're in Massachusetts now, we're allowed to. Well, yeah, you can cut on it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, it's funny. And the, the, who was it from uh, Central Nursery said on that survey? It's loom. It's always been loom. And it'll always be loom. <laughs> <I love laughs> End it. of discussion. Johnston. And that's Johnston. Yeah, it's Johnston. Yeah, exactly. So, Paul, one thing that we think is really interesting about your company is that you're similar to us in that you have kind of opted to stay on the smaller side. And um, I think a lot of people think, again, you have to be this big, grand company to be successful. So I kind of wonder why you've decided to stay on the smaller side and how that works for you. What are the benefits to that? Well, I, I at one point in, in my father's business, because I grew up doing landscape, my father, well, my grandfather owned the business, my father, we were big at one point and it really stressed him out and really, it wasn't to his benefit to be as big as we, we were. Mm-hmm. And we weren't really making a ton more money. I think there's a threshold of when you stop making more money and it's really big. Yes, yep. You know, I mean, that two to three crew business, I think, is is detrimental. You have to get past that because the business will end. But the one crew business, the small ones like we are, they, they can do pretty well. And in 2006, I wanted to expand for whatever reason. Wanted to expand when we did. The foreman uh, quit and we lost yeah. workers and... I says, you know, from there on, I have a detail mindset. I have a craftsman's mindset. And once you get big, I think you lose that. I think you have to kind of go more the route of quantity over quality. And I didn't want to do that. So. Right, I right. find that to be very similar to what we go through. Absolutely. Um, when it comes to the stonework, for me, it's really detail oriented. That's why I got into the builds was to build walls and patios and everything that we do the way I saw it through the design process. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't relay that to anybody else to build it when I was just designing. I was working in a landscape architecture firm. And nothing ever was quite to the degree I wanted it because it's how do you translate that to somebody else to get your vision across Mm -hmm. completely? And um, 
I could totally relate to what you're saying. It's that hands-on approach and that satisfaction to what you're doing and um, that more boutique style. Absolutely. Right? And it, you almost feel like it's a little selfish in a way too, that you want to be the one doing it. You mm -hmm. want it to, because you know how you, like you're saying in the design, you want, you know how it's supposed to be. And that small period of time where I did expand, I'd come back and I'm like, all right, yeah, that's good enough, I guess. And I hate that mm. mindset. Oh, my I hate God. That. You guys are two that. peas in a pod. Yeah, true. I, I hate <laughs> that's why I wanted this guy in here. Yeah. <laughs> I hate the mindset of it's good enough. It's that, that whole phrase just bothers me. So Now, do you find that your clients want you there? Yeah. Right, so there's no replacing you in their mind. I'm brought onto a property, I think, most of the time after people have been sick of being with somebody else. Interesting. So how I get on the properties is because if I know somebody, usually a landscape architect or someone like you that, that um, will refer me on to the job knowing that the work that we do, and then that person's like, yeah, all right, if you referred me, then we're all set. Right. Um, I don't have any advertisement. I don't, mm -hmm. th there's nothing. I have barely even on the trucks. It's just the, the name of the business. There's no telephone. It's just whoever can refer me to a property. And, and that's amazing because, again, yeah. I feel like, we always hear about how you have to kind of put yourself up there and advertise and what are, where do you spend your advertising dollars? And we've been lucky enough to kind of go the same route where we do virtually no advertising. Mm -hmm. It's become kind of people finding our website or word of mouth or referrals. Um, and it's, I guess it's risky on one end, but I think it's much less risky if you decide to stay small right. like we do. Absolutely. If you exploded your business, you wouldn't have a choice because you would have to generate so much work. Right, and then it takes you out of the field. What I learned a lot, too, was a lot of clients got upset if I started to grow. You know, oh, mm -hmm. well, you're not going to be here. Or I know you're not the mean, one yep. that's going to mm -hmm. get. So it was funny. My father, at one point, we had a couple of small lawns, and, you know, they were detailed lawns but my father didn't want to cut grass anymore he was a mason you know dude oh really oh yeah, yeah my father i was i grew up doing stone work until i was about 20 years old and uh i remember the customer saying if you can't come here peter we don't want you here we don't want you guys <laughs> my father's like i'm not gonna i'm not i gotta go do stone work or something else i don't want to be here and i remember back then saying why don't we just charge him for you to be there well he'll never pay well how do you know it's right. interesting yeah and in 2006 after I learned the Pareto principle of 80% of your profits come from 20% of your customers, which is absolutely true in my case, hmm. yeah. hmm. I, um, I said, you know what? I said, I'm just going to raise prices. Whatever stays, stays. So I did, and I figured out that they really wanted me and, you know, Joe that works for me and our crew, and we were so good. They wanted us, and giving anybody else to them, they weren't going to be happy. So, so that's, a great, that's a great message. That's inspiring. That's why I want some of the younger people they'll know that are coming up in this industry that you can do that. Yeah. You can charge what you're worth. We talked about this with Justin. Right. right. It's knowing charge you're worth. what you're worth. It's, it's difficult at first. It can be a little bit nerve wracking. You may lose a client or two, but look at it this way. They're not meant for you. Mm -hmm. You're not a good match and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Right. That's okay. I, uh, I had a mentor that's um, a landscape architect owns a nursery and uh, we were driving one day and he's has the reputation that no one else has in the area. And uh, I said to him, we were driving, he was going to see a job with me. And I said, I want to be like you. He goes, it just doesn't happen. He says, I've been in this my whole life. He says, it takes time. You need the mm -hmm. reputation. You just can't say, I'm going to be good. People have to know you're good. You just can't tell them you're good. So that comes with it as well. I mean, you got to, it, it takes time to get a reputation. But you 
guys have. I mean, the work you guys do are unbelievable. Oh, thank oh, you. Thank you. But and that's that part of the reason, sorry, about um, the Instagram thing. That was part of why I got onto it was um, I'm not showy at all. I have, If you noticed, it's not even spring green landscaping. That's mm-hmm. the Instagram. It's my name because mm-hmm. I don't want to grow the business. But when I started putting pictures up, people would say, your work is inspiring me to do yeah. better. Yes. Like, that's I'm like, great. oh, I said, well, that's the reason I'm going to do this. Yes, yes. I said, I was just pointing on to, you know, show my friends a couple of pictures. And then other landscapers started to come on. How do you do that? Why do you do that? Yeah. I was like, yeah, this is cool. I like this. This, this, this is going to work. Well, I think you've hit a couple of interesting points. Um, one is that the fact that it takes time. So I know that, you know, we've been noticing, because let's face it, Instagram, social media, it's a huge component of people that are upcoming and so you have to look at that and see what's happening. And what we've noticed is that there's a ton of beautiful finished pictures. Everybody's doing great. Everything is peachy all the time. And it's not. And there is oh. a process. And Lord knows there is a, a, an amount of time that it takes to get, absolutely, to, mm-hmm. like you said, to get the reputation, to get somewhat comfortable in where you are. I mean, I think that... Neil would probably tell you, we're still always, you know, you're still always looking for the next job. You never feel, when you are a business owner, you never feel secure. Well, you guys even more so than, I mean, I, I'm not saying that the way I'm set up is any different, but I have return work all the right. time. Right. Right. I, I don't even right. have to go see it. I mean, you guys. You, you have guys cash flow. You right. have cash Constant flow. Cash right. Flow, right. It's, right. It's probably not on the, the level of what you guys are probably charging on stuff like that, but... Um, I don't really have to worry about getting more work. Like April 1st, I'm pretty much set until November with mm-hmm. pretty much. That's mm-hmm. great. Um, but in your cases where it's the, the design build, you guys got to be hunting. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. we, we hustle. Yeah. Um, I don't want to forget, though, to ask you. I do want to get an understanding of the size of your crew, though. So it's you and then how many other people? Three others. Three others. And um, they've been with you for a long time, right? Joe, Joe's been with me for 20 years. He's okay. like my father. We were out together all day yesterday. He's the second father to me. We went to the Stephen Roy, the, the Walker Bower thing. So that says a lot about you, man. Like employees that have been with somebody for a long time says everything about the guy running the ship. So kudos to you. I mean, that's amazing. He worked for my father. He was working for my father while I worked for my father. And then when I left, he's like, I'm not saying if I'm going to go with you. (laughs) (laughs) So again, that says something about you, doesn't it? (laughs) And John that works for me too, the, the, um, the Colombian that works for me, he's been, I think, 13 years. Wow. And Josh just came back. Josh worked with me. He was actually the one that left in 2006 by foreman that left, that messed everything up. Oh, no kidding. But he's always been a little brother to me, and we've always talked. Every, I mean, I knew what he was going through. He had to move on with his life, and it was right. fine. And then last year, he called me and says, I really like to come back in the ranch. I was like, come on back, buddy. So he came back last year. So what do you think the key that you've seen is to retaining employees? Because, again, I feel like just in this industry as a whole, aside from finding the employees – Retaining them has to be the second most difficult thing. So what have you found I, works? I don't, I, I just, I'm, I'm me. That's all. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know what the, because I, I looked for a third employee for three or four years and couldn't find them. Uh, we can just so totally mm-hmm. relate. I'm sorry. I'm laughing over so, here because I'm like, oh my God. So I, I don't, <laughs> I absolutely have no answers for you. Josh, Josh. <laughs> you would. No, I'm sorry. No, Please. Josh just came back to me with like a stroke of luck. I'm like, oh God, the, the you know, the, the clouds parted. The sun came through. Right, it was just right, awesome right. because he had worked for me for like six years. He had all the experience. He knew, he knew, knew our style right. and he worked with Joe already. I mean, it was just great. But man, I went through a few guys that, kind of cried during the day they couldn't make up you know they couldn't 
just couldn't, couldn't handle it. Yeah. It's tough. It's, it's kind of, uh, it's interesting that you had someone come back. So when we first started, you know, people cycled through and you almost get a little offended when they leave. You know, yeah. some people don't tell you either. They just don't show up. Right. You wonder if it's something you did. But we had some good people um, pass through. But we had an employee that worked for me the first year. It was 15 years ago. Came to our office. Just popped in last year to say hi. I hadn't seen him in nice. 15 years. And it's like, and I've talked to guys that have worked with me that have come through. I still have these relationships with them where I've kind of matured in a way where, all right, I'm not taking this personally yeah, anymore absolutely, and absolutely. so you never know who may come back come back yeah so that's kind of uh that's that's inspiring to hear i i was brought up in a way that my father never ever complimented me on anything i did mm. it just wasn't his style he was old school portuguese you're <laughs> just supposed to do good work or you're yeah. just supposed to do good mm-hmm. you don't need to hear from me that you're doing good i kind of adopted that in a way because i but you can't do that that's i think with today's i don't know Different generations, different generations. I don't like to say generation though, because I I think it's people in general. I think it's societal. I don't think it's a generation. Yeah, yeah. that's That's a good point. That's true. We've been conditioned through everything we see. Yeah, to be praised, I I guess. I try to be careful with the words because I also know some younger generation kids that are just killing it. They're doing really well. So, but societally, people don't want to get yelled at, or they want the pat in the back. They want, you know, you're doing great. I love it, and that can help but it hadn't helped me until I figured that out. It's, yeah, the things you learn. Yeah, you learn it. So much is people relations and just um, everyone's different. So and every employee is different. They have different needs. Uh, teaching need methods as well. Yeah. My father never taught us anything. He never sat down and says, this is what you're supposed to do. The only thing my father ever That's said was putting stone in. Mm-hmm. I remember putting a stone in in one place and he goes, I said, it fits good. That He goes, just because it fits doesn't mean it belongs there. Uh-huh. Because it, it was a point. Yeah, I mean, I remember the stone. It was a triangle. And you put a triangle in a triangle, and it kind of looks kind of funny. You're supposed to stack it. He's like, take that out of there. It doesn't look good. So, it, it, you know, something like that. But he never, just watch me, he would say. Just watch. Just watch. Other people, they want their hands held. This is how you do it. This is how you're supposed to. And then they, yeah. they, have, they actually have the questions, and you have to be able to answer them. I think that has been part of my process where... Early on, I didn't want to take the time to explain everything mm-hmm. the way I should. And it just took me a while where, yeah, I was building the wall. I'm like, just build it like I do. Just build it like I do. Because mm-hmm. I was so in the trenches, man. And I didn't have the confidence I needed early on. You know, I'm still figuring it out. Sure. Trying to make money. Trying not to burn a lot of time on the job and manage people. And there, there's so much to learn. Not only about how to deal with people, but about me first. So mm-hmm. it took me a while to figure that out. To say, okay, I need to take a break. I need to set everybody up in the morning, set up expectations, show them how and why, and then tell them why they did a good job or why something doesn't work. So it's, it's, man, it is a learning process for me. Definitely a learning process. Uh, You know, and and when you guys are doing contract work, some of the best things that I've always learned was forget how much you priced it for. Just do the job. And if you screw up. Yeah. There's a lot of times you'll second guess your price and you'll try to get the, out of the job quicker. You'll find a corner that could you could cut, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's that's the biggest no no. Was was that if you just don't know how much you know you priced it, forget about it. Yeah, just work your hardest, yeah. do the job, and yep. if you lose, you lose. You know, I mean, it's probably not great business advice, but it's good when it comes to getting the job done right but and I, the reputation. Yeah, yeah I think that's actually very practical advice because as you're saying that, I'm kind of realizing 
because uh, I do all the estimating and then I also see all their seats coming in mm-hmm. as we're getting them into our, you know, QuickBooks and I can see, oh, well, I didn't quite get that right. Or then Neil tells me, no, we've been building this for four days and maybe I had three days and I'm yeah. like, oh, crap. Yeah. But in the end, none of it really matters. We have to just, like you said, build it right and get it done and then yeah. move on and, and hope what, we made it up. Hope it up. Hope we made it up maybe in some other element right. of the project. And once I'm building it, once I've committed, I talk about this a lot, to a detail uh, on a specific stone project, I'm seeing it through. If it takes me a day right. or two longer, absolutely, um, it's going to take a day or two longer. P- people laugh That's on me. I tell them, you know, people pay to go to college. You know, that's mm-hmm. basically what it is. You're learning as you go. You know, like you just said, so I was three days instead of four days. Well, next time you know to put it for four days. Right. You know, yep. you're, lear- you're learning as you're going along. And like I said, people pay to go to college. That's what you're paying for. You, you, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. That unfortunately. Yeah. I wanted to um, go back to, since you were talking about your dad a little bit, I wanted to kind of go back to the beginning of you in this industry. And I know, so it sounds like your dad started the business. You worked My for grandfather. him. Oh, your with grandfather. Your, yeah. With your, okay. So you were working with your brother too. So I want to. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll, I'll, I mean, if you want to hear it, so, so my grandfather in the late 50s was working for a nursery called Oakland Nurseries, and he used to be in the AAA building. You know where the AAA building is in Warwick? Used to be a big nursery there on Central Avenue. No kidding. Yeah. And he worked there, and in the late 50s, he went on his own, started Spring Green Landscaping, or Spring Green Nursery. It was, it was two names. And um, my, I'm sorry, my mother's grandfather. So my mother's father, not my father's father, my mother's father. Mm-hmm. Okay. My father was in Portugal. And uh, they kind of had, I don't want to call it arranged marriages, but they knew each other and they tried to get my mother. My mother went to Portugal, married my father in Portugal. Oh, no kidding. And Did they know each other? Kind of, not really. It's kind of <laughs> weird. The, the Azores or the mainland? Azores. Okay. Which island? Uh, St. Michael. My mom went there. They married there. They stayed there for a number of years. My brother was actually born in Portugal. And they came back, and my father from Portugal worked for my grandfather, my mother's father, okay. here, Spring Green Landscaping. 78, my father left him, started PC Landscaping, his own company. Okay. Now, my father only had fourth grade exp- um, education in Portugal. Hardly knew how to speak English as well, but he started here. And they ran until, they ran PC Landscaping until 2000. That's when I left. But... Him and my brother stayed together. Doing so, the stonework mostly. Doing the stonework. Yep. So my father wanted to retire, semi-retire. Him and my brother stayed together doing the stonework, and they offered me the landscaping side of it, the maintenance side of it. Okay. And I left in 2000, renaming it my grandfather's business, Green okay. Landscaping. That's cool. So that's how. And now, you know, to go to your point, my brother, we still work together a lot on stonework. He'll come and do most of the stonework. If I don't do it, if the customer, if it's not a big project, I'll do a stone job. But for the most part, he just comes and does. And what was the calling to you to kind of go into that end of it? Why the Never. landscaping end of it? I wanted to grow my father's company huge, like central nurseries huge. I yeah. wanted mm-hmm. it to be wow. big. Mm-hmm. It's funny how things work out. When I was late teens or early 20s, I forget the year, we lost our crew leader for the landscape maintenance side. My father says, you got to go cut grass. I don't want to cut grass. I don't want to prune plants. I want to plant them. I want to do this. He goes, nope. You got to do it. That was one of my first arguments with my father. Yeah. So he sent me there, and 10 years later or so, he wanted to get rid of it. I'm like, what do you mean get rid of it? I said, I've been doing this for 10 years. I'm enjoying it now, and now mm-hmm. we're getting rid of it. And mm-hmm. that's what sparked me leaving at that point. But I never wanted to do anything else. My brother wanted to be a, um, uh, an engineer. He wanted to, he was 
studying to do mechanics on uh, diesel mechanic and automotive mechanic. He didn't, I don't want to say that being a, a mason or a landscape was his love for it, love for his life, but he did, and it's it's his love now. But for me, I never wanted to do anything else. I wanted to work for my father. I wanted to grow that business. Since I was a little kid, it's all I wanted to do. I went through high school and school by the skin of my teeth thinking, I really don't need to go to school, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which was a mistake. Right, right. But in terms of um, what you what you do, I mean, obviously we can see how detail-orientated you are and how much you care about the quality of your work. So what is it that you think pulls you into taking such pride and such care of these properties? I, I always say that I have a craftsman mentality. I think whatever I would have done, I would have been that way. It would have, you know... During the winter time, I'm bring, taking up new hobbies. I'm trying to take up blacksmithing. I'm trying, you know, carpentry, all these other things just to stay creative. That's right. how I am. So what brings me into that? Joe was big. You know the guy that works 20 years? Yep, yep. He was extremely detailed-oriented, very stringent, very rough. I learned a lot from Joe, transplanting plants, knowing how to drum lace. He would tell me, you finish the job the way you start it. There was points when, you know, early on, it's like we're running out of money here, Joe. We got to get going. He goes, no, you finish the job the way you said you want to start it doing a good job. You're going to finish the job doing a good job. Wow. I don't care how much you're losing or not losing if you want me to be here. So mm, interesting. That was, I like that. That was a lot, to, um, lot, lot of learning from him. But the detail mindset, I've always kind of been that way. I was, you know, the truck washing and stuff. My father oh. used to tell me. You know, oh, here comes the fireman. Here comes the fireman. That was like the big joke. <laughs> That's awesome. Work because my truck that I drove was always perfectly clean. My dump Still truck. Still is. My, like my 88 GMC, he would tell me, go get a load of stone. I said, I'm not taking my truck to get a load of stone. We <laughs> mean get a load of stone. Because, yeah, go get a load of stone. And I'd have to, and I'd cover the sides with drapes and stuff so the stone wouldn't scratch it. So it's this, uh, this is long time. That, sickness. That's funny because <laughs> I remember before I knew you, we were doing a project in South County. And I was, you know, bombing down 95. I had an F-350 at the time. We started with that and um, a dump trailer. I didn't have a mm -hmm. dump truck or anything. And I remember your trucks coming down 295, merging into 95. And I just remember seeing how clean they were. And I was like, I had such truck envy at that point. The cab overs, I wanted a cab over. And um, I, I, that, those trucks resonated with me. Yeah. And um, I had no idea who you were. I mean, they were just spotless. All the time, yeah. meticulous, and um, I think I was well, talking to ours, Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. What was that? Nineteen ninety four F three fifty. It was a pretty good looking truck, but it was nothing like yours. And um, I remember talking with our our mutual friend Scott Grennan. Just had breakfast with him this morning. Did you? Oh, did yeah, you? Did. You know what? Granko excavating. We'll give him a plug. Absolutely. He's on Instagram now. You just, I, I, I know. I, I saw this morning. He's I'm with saying, the big boys yeah. and girls. Yeah. And me and him are very much alike. We, we we grew up together, and we're both old school. Don't give out too much information. This whole social media mm -hmm, thing's mm -hmm. scary. Mm -hmm. I kind of dipped my my toe in earlier than he did. But, you know, we're like, I don't want to, don't put that up there. Don't, 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 you know, yep. he's always thinking like, um, if you're on a ladder, don't put that on Instagram. You shouldn't put that on because, you know, the insurance companies are going to watch and they're going to be, you know, you don't want to give too much information. Don't look at my very, account. He's very, he's very, you know, he's always like, you know, that big brother's watching. So he's getting into it. He's, he's going to be good. He's, he's probably from, that's probably in his mind because he was a home builder back in the Absolutely. day and all the, you know, very private. Building and it's, and it's inspectors. Fine. And, and, and I'm that way too. You want to be, you want to be kind of private on, in your life. But 
like I said, that whole point of being inspiring somebody, that changed my mind a little bit. Yeah, and your Instagram account, I give you a lot of credit because you've built up this community that I've noticed, which I've been blown away um, by the maintenance community on Instagram and YouTube. It's huge. Yeah, the lawn care community unbelievable. The lawn care community is really, really big. And, and you seem to be really supportive of one another. Yeah, that's it's it is. The, the, and and like we go to Kentucky every year to the uh, the GIE Expo, which you guys would you would love this. I mean, you get to run all the equipment outside and the excavators, about but everybody goes there not even to see the equipment. It's just to meet up everybody and talk yeah. there. It's, well, it's so cool. Scott was saying, I was he went with you this year. Yeah, and yeah. He's saying, man, he's like famous over there. Everyone's no. hey Paul, how you doing? <laughs> it's like, he was and that's surprising to be because I don't talk on. If you've noticed, I don't like talking in front of cameras, and so I'm like just trying to. Yeah. But you're be skewed a little bit, but it's fun. Your videos are very um they're mesmerizing in a way. You've done some of these like spiral topiary, the way you trim and yeah. prune and you're up on these pruning ladders and you just wow, you just watching. It's it's very serene. Everything's mm. meticulous and it just yeah, kinda it kinda just sucks you in and um it's inspiring to 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 watch because you're on that horticulture end where I'm more on that stone end and um I really, I really appreciate that stuff. Well, same thing on you, your guys. And I mean, the stuff you guys are doing with the stone is, geez. And, and the, the personality. <laughs> Excuse <and> the me. <clears throat> I know, I saw that just recently. <laughs> but the personalities are actually what you guys are like the best because, I don't know, it's just what drags, drags me in is your, the, the um, interaction between you guys. Is <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's never ending, right? Then, <laughs> right, babe? Right. And then, also, and then also the, the shame that I feel every time you do a, um, you guys do your handstands and the, oh. I'm like, uh, well, I was Scott. trying to get you to go. I found I'm gonna, I gotta lose this thing now. <laughs> I found you a class in everything. Oh my god! I, I found you a that. class in everything. Yeah. It was like uh, yoga for like working dudes or something oh. like that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, to kind of go back a, a little bit in terms of the size of your company, though, I mm -hmm. wanted to find out because it looks like you have some. You know, you have some smaller size properties and then some really large right. properties. So, what is it that makes you decide you want to take something on it's about the client really you can't i've and this is most important if you're going to be doing any kind of detail work is knowing the expectation of your customer you can't have all i consider all my customers a quality customers they just want it done well mm -hmm. done great and they don't care normally i don't like to say they don't like to care how much it's going to cost but it's not the the, the definitive factor for them is cost they just want it to be nice but their expectation has to be the part that I grade them on. Not all of them can be the customer that wants it done today. Right, exactly. Right. right. So there's, I, I always have the A to, a to C, D rating where if you're, <laughs> like in, <laughs> if you're an A client, when you call, I'm going to be going there. Right. So I can only have a couple of those. Right. Mm. So you got to ask them, you know, what are your expectations? And they'll say, well, I want it done when I want it. I said, well, then... We might not be able to, but if, you know, within a week or two after I call, okay, that's not bad. Mm -hmm. And then you have the ones when you have time. Oh, I like you. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I like you. So we'll put you in there too. So you got to have that, 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 um, you got to know what they're expecting. That's a so really far. great point. I really like that idea of, of, of a knowing you're only going to take on so many clients right. and then figuring out, okay, the really kind of needy clients i can really only even take on a smaller amount Absolutely. of those and then Absolutely. prioritizing who you take based on that that's 
Very smart. But my takeaway here is you can vet your clients. That's awesome. Oh, people absolutely. need to understand that. I tell people that all the time. I'm not going to a job interview only. Mm-hmm. You're, you're getting interviewed as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't tell them that, but in my mind, mm-hmm. they're getting interviewed. Right, you're because, gathering information. Right, because most of the time, it sounds arrogant to say, but most of the time if I'm being referred to a property, like I said earlier, they've gone through a lot of bad contractors and most likely I'm going to get this property, you know, to maintain or whatever it is. Landscape installation is not that, but the maintenance side. Sure. If you're going to get referred to, it's pretty much, you know, a home run, you're going to get it. So, you know, letting them, you know, hearing them out is the most important of what they expect. Right, right. So. And as we're talking to you, I'm, I'm just kind of wondering in my head, what percentage of your work would you say is lawn maintenance versus plant maintenance versus some installation? Can you break that up a little bit? Uh, Percentage-wise, no. Every year is a little bit different because every client changes their mind every year. So I could have one property that, I mean, one year that there's a huge amount of planting work, and then there's other years that really isn't. But I only mow 15 properties weekly. Um, I have 15 to 18 I guess if you count my neighbor, who I take care of well, <laughs> in my house. I wish um, I was your neighbor. I know. But, but, uh, Please, won't you be neighbor? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there, are, there, there is a, a good handful of people that I take care of just their gardens and their, um, you know, the annuals and pots and things like that. And I actually like those so much more because there's no, there's no, expensive equipment that i need to bring you just right. go there with the mm. dump truck and mm. some rakes and some you're not you know, towing yeah you're not it's yeah. just easy but the mowing if there was anything i wish i didn't have to do anymore man it was the mowing that was, yeah but it's something that i'll have to say is probably one of the most enjoyable things i do because you put an i you know a, a podcasting in your ears yeah. and you sit mm. on your walk a mower and you just make nice lines and you're looking at the ocean coming in and yeah, out. you have some <laughs> unbelievable properties and, and that's that's the nice part about the mowing part but you know, while you're doing it, you're like, well, I could be doing this, but, you know, right. that's but the mix. But but as for planting work, it's very, di- it's very specific to seasons. If someone asks me in May, we need to seed the lawn, I says, no, you will do that. And I'm not rushed to do anything on, on any, on any project. This might be personal to me. I don't know. Do you ever do something early in your stages that you say, man, I wish I could do that again? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah, that that really doesn't look as good. Because I maintain properties over the years, and I have to walk by the thing I did 10, 15 years ago. It's like, I wish I could just do that over again. I yeah. want to do it for free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But I think that's I think that's the beautiful thing about the industry, and I think the beautiful thing in particular for me, and you yeah. probably is working with the plants, though, is that everything is always yeah, changing. Yeah, always changing. And you think that something's going to get to a certain size, and it gets 10 times bigger, you think something is going to thrive and it dies the next year. Right. I mean, things are always changing. So, yeah, you have to evolve with that. Yeah, and design work is, is a learning process, too. You're always learning new things. And, you know, you know, and, um, yeah, I just I just popped into my head as you were saying that. I'm yeah. like, yeah, there's a water feature that I did a long time ago that I still see. It's like, yeah, I could have did that a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, I, I it's funny because I have a few walls that we built early on, and they're they're decent looking walls. Yeah, they're but, decent, but, but my standards now, I I really back in the day thought they were I mean. exceptional. Yeah, that's what I mean. And now I see them, and I'm like, oh boy, 
Look at that. Look at that running They've come joint. off our website. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you know, it's funny. We did early on, one of the first big retaining walls that I built, I built it dry stacked. And I built it right. I did my research, sure. right? Um, but I put weep poles through it. Oh. And I'm like, <laughs> I look, I'm like, I look at the pictures now. I'm like, why the hell it's, did it's, I put it's a all like go to that pipe? I deal. just, <laughs> you know, you overanalyze things too. Well, you get afraid. You don't want yeah. you don't want things to yeah, exactly jobs that big. Sure. So you right. overcome you overcome that stuff yeah. as you get older. It's funny. How does it feel to have a garage? Oh, I was going to ask the same where, question. Where you, can, where you can store everything and working in the winter. I mean, that must be a great feeling. Isn't it I, lovely? I, it I looks cannot, lovely. It is, it is. I cannot nice. relate. It's, it is nice. Whatsoever. You should come, you should come just spend some time. <laughs> no, it, I'm I, already I, envious of your clean trucks, dude. I, I don't know if uh, I can I, handle um, it. That was a goal of mine as far as like, I mean, for my father's business, I wanted this big shop where we could just work in through the winter. You know, you know, Around here, there's nothing guaranteed during the winter. Mm-hmm. This year, it's actually been pretty good. My brothers worked through the winter doing stonework. I've seen you guys have yeah, done some work, too. Bit, yeah. But for the most part, we're out of it. We, we we can't do much, so the garage is great. I mean, I love to, to, to work on the equipment. I love to work painting and cleaning and repairing. So, yeah. It's yeah, and that, that whole maintenance skill that you have is another thing I really admire about you, man, because I, I, don't, I don't have it. I don't have the... Um, I just, I never grew up with anything yeah. ever. I mean, I could change the oil in my car. That was about it. I and I had to that, be no. shown that from my uncle. So um, in today's society where it's real, you know, something doesn't work, you throw it away and you buy a yeah, new one. Um, yep. You seem to have a real appreciation, even so, for some of the older equipment. I noticed you're like salvaging stuff yeah, and, yeah. and updating it. Even shovels. I mean, yeah. amazing. It's pretty cool. Well, you, you fall in love with something. You know, you, you know, certain tools just work better. The lawnmower you're talking about, there's a lawnmower. That's that lawn boy, right? I saw yeah, we, this we doing that this we, winter. All we did use in the old days were these two cycle lawn boys. Their EPA has told them you, know, you can't make these yep, anymore. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, so you know, this might not be the most environmentally conscious thing I do, but there's no other push mower on the planet that mm-hmm. mows like a lawn boy. So wherever I find one, and if I see one somewhere. It's like a, a dog, you know, a stray dog. Yeah. Got to come home with me, yeah. and that's what that one was. Was that a friend's mine? So I'll take that. So you just you take this thing apart and you clean it up. Yeah, and yeah you mean yeah. right to the paint and the bodywork. We'll do something. Yeah, we'll do stuff like that. And even like the shovels you were talking about. I uh, shovels, rakes. I'm very particular on the tools I use. It's got to be forged. It's got to be the old. I can't stand the new tools. I can't stand stamped logos on the side of a tool. I just it just doesn't make sense <laughs> to me. So uh, yeah, I'll rehandle. 50-year-old shovel to be able to work with it. Absolutely. Very cool. But I think even the the garage, to me, is a great example of the fact that things don't just happen overnight. I Mm. mean, that's been a goal of ours for as long as I can remember as well. And we're in it for 15 years now, and we're still not there yet. Mm. Um, And it's probably going to take another five years before we will be. So it's like these things, these goals that you have, it just doesn't happen overnight. Oh, absolutely. First thing I walked in here and saw this is, is I want an office like this. This, <laughs> office, this is awesome. Well, I had to, I, we had to take care of Samantha first. Absolutely. She, she happy, happy wife, right? Is that what they say? Yeah. I don't right, know. right. Let's, um, let's be clear, though. Yeah. Neil has gotten years of equipment yeah, and trucks. Absolutely. So. I've seen some nice <laughs> equipment my, out there. Time. I need them. Um, <laughs> when, you, when you're buying a $200 hammer, that kind of takes away from some things, right? right. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, so they're two hundred dollars. No. Yo, what, what, what? Wait, what? He told me they were fifty. 
I need them. I need them. <laughs> no, like I said, I see all the receipts, yeah, so I sure, know what sure. he gets to buy. But it's, it's funny too because we just we just bought a new excavator, and if, um, you know, ten years ago, I would have been over the moon, excited about this thing mm. being delivered here, and just itching to get out there and work with it. It got what delivered last week. Mm-hmm. No, I couldn't. I was just oh, okay. You're a better man than it's, me. I would have been it's there. Something. I haven't even used it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just, uh, you know, it's a necessity at this point. I mean, I'm happy to have it. Don't get me wrong. But it's not the to enthusiasm me, to spend the money isn't what it used to be. Yeah, no, to me, it's just another payment that I have to figure out. And like, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. right, exactly. I don't know if you guys remembered um, uh, a nursery in, in Warwick called Andy's Nurseries. I do. I remember meeting him. Really yeah, nice Tony, guy. Tony's the, a good guy. The flower shows. Yep, Tony is a mentor to me and always has been. And I remember as a young kid working for my father, driving through the neighborhoods and he'd be working in the same neighborhoods and I saw his trucks mm-hmm. and they make mine look like garbage. Really? And the work they had, they were uniformed and the, the work they were doing was absolutely gorgeous. The trucks look nice and that's, you know, you look at that and say, that's, that's, I want that look. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where a lot of that truck stuff comes from. So can't afford them brand new. One of them's 20, yeah, 20 years old. You would never know. Yeah, that's so, awesome. You would never know, but the inspiration was definitely Tony on a lot of that. That's stuff. really cool. Yeah. So, at what point? Well, maybe you're not equipped to answer this question. So, I think I know what he'll say. <laughs> at what point do you know when to get rid of something? So, I have a demo saw right now. I love the thing. We need your advice, Paul. It's fifteen hundred bucks new. Um, three years, three to four years. Cylinder went eight hundred dollar repair. Do I repair it? No, you just do. I toss it. Get another one. Get another one. At that point, there's there are tools. I mean, God, I mean, we don't. My lawnmower is. You know, I mean, there are things you you need to replace. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, you can't get attached to everything, especially mm-hmm. a demo saw. I mean, you guys. I mean, weed whacker. It's like me getting attached to a weed whacker. It's just not going to happen. Or a oh, trimmer. That's yeah, a good point. Yeah, that's yeah. Good there, point. I mean, there are some things like I have my father's old Echo trimmer. Yeah, that's going to get put on a wall. It's going to, you know, it's going to be sentimental value, but everyday stuff. No. Okay, done. Darn it, done. I was hoping to save a few. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's it's a good. It's my second saw. This particular brand and model, and it's it's a beast. You using the steel one? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the sixteen inch cutoff there, and it's um, I don't know. You know, you get four or five years out of it. Yeah. Yeah, my brother has the same issues because the the dust on you know just mm-hmm. those things are put through hell. And even when you're so. cutting with water, it's still yeah. Even if, yeah, if you yeah, but they they just put through hell. Mm-hmm. There's not much you can do about it. Yeah, I don't get attached to everything. My pickup truck, I re, I buy new pickup trucks every once in a while. It, it's certain things, the lawn boys, the you know, certain hand tools. Stuff gotcha. Like that. Done. All right. I'm, I'm going it wouldn't out. hurt. I'm it going w- out right right after this no, podcast no. to pick up. A new I'll go one. with you. Let's no, go. No, 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 no. It wouldn't hurt as much, except we just bought a new one. So, oh, well, you need more than one. I mean, that's what's making the money, right? So you got to. Yeah, you need when, with that. You need a backup. Yeah, and you um, do. I had one that I bought a different brand years ago. Use it like five times. I hate it. I just can't deal with the thing. Can we sell that one? If I can get it running. Oh well, let's look into that. Yeah. Paul, could you? Maybe help us fix that one. <laughs> it's funny. People do drop stuff off to me. Can you get this thing running for me? Yeah, I don't well, it's no, time. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's snowed last night, so I know you're not working this working, week, yeah. so let's just drop it yeah, off. It snowed plow. last night, and you don't snow plow. No, don't snow plow. I hate arguing this point with people that plow because they have great arguments. They make tons of money. They, they, yep. they do well. If you do it right. Yep. If you do it right. And, you know, but for me, 
all I'm doing is seeing the rust under the trucks. Yes, all I know. I'm, that's number one. Number two, we I used to go on a lot of vacations. You, you're married to a job that could not, you know, happen right. all winter long. You're waiting all winter long for something that's not going to happen. So, you know, taking my, again, Tony's advice, make every hit count through the year and just take the winter off. Yeah. So, right, right. Yeah, yeah and I yeah. think we found too, and we did it for a very short time. We? but. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> By we, I mean that You one. build, I'm sure. That one you? Over there. Um, so Neil did it for a little while with yeah. our trucks. Um, yeah. And I think we just, because again, we're so small, it's like, why are we going to put that kind of wear and tear right. Through on that, the, yeah. the trucks that we have? Because we weren't buying new trucks. That first truck was first real truck. We started with a Ford Ranger. I don't know how I got through a whole season with a Ford Ranger. Poor thing. That was my first year. <laughs> and, um, then we, we got the, the F-350 diesel. It was like a 1994. It was That's a tank it. of a truck. Awesome truck. Yeah. And I did, what, snow plowing for two years? Mm-hmm. And I remember just pushing it hard and pushing it hard. Destroys and just, like, destroying it. And, it, you know, oh, at that man. point, my trucks are older. And I'm like, well, maybe if I had newer trucks. And then you buy the new truck. And you're like, well, hell no. I'm not. <laughs> I have even my van that I That's bought. That's the line right there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even my sprinter that I bought for me, that's been my first like luxury thing yeah, luxury yeah, yeah, thing sure. that I didn't need for the business. It's just it's comfortable. I have everything in yep. it. It's covered. It gets me back and forth to the job. I will not drive if there's salt on the road. Absolutely. So. I, it was killing me to come up here today. I'm like, I can just leave this in the garage. <laughs> well, not only that, <laughs> but you're a Rhode Islander. I know. Did you pack a lunch? You, Do you have a backpack you, with you? I almost did. You I came am across it, but there's got to be a restaurant around here somewhere. <laughs> you came across the border and everything, man. Exactly. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's, it's funny what you said, though, because in, I, I alluded to my father being tough and everything, but we used to do a lot of plowing. And uh, everything that we had to do, we had to repair ourselves. We didn't send anything out. We're talking clutches, injection pumps, Whew. transmissions, um, engine rebuild, everything we had to do. And I think that might have wore me out through the years to not yeah. want to do that anymore. Because even yeah. now, I don't want to take an engine out. I don't want to take clutches. I barely want to do brake jobs, you know, big stuff like that. But yeah, being underneath the truck with that salt, slush dripping on your face yeah it totally turns you off. not only that but you probably had to make a repair quick in case there's another storm coming so there's a whole different stress level you're dealing with you got hoses on the wall you got pistons on the wall you're just hoping that nothing breaks and the trucks were old and yeah i don't have any fond memories of plums (laughs) (laughs) i don't know that anybody probably has fond memories of it but oh yeah unbelievable people love it they're waiting for it look on instagram i can't wait for the stories you guys are on drugs (laughs) (laughs) so paul when i first met you um i think really the first time we really kind of interacted with each other was probably about five years ago at the home show so we were putting together i don't know how this idea came to be a tree house in the middle of a convention floor craziness a giant wetland garden that I thought would be a great idea. Um, and, and so we were doing that through RINLA, yep. the Rhode Island Nursery and Landscape Association. And so you were president for that. That was last that year. Yeah, it was last year. Uh, and so I wondered if you could speak to the importance of being part of a trade organization. I think it's really important because there are the, the, the different things that trade organizations do, like legislative, they're keeping an eye on anything that could affect us. Right. in our industry, badly, wet, good, bad. Um, we're doing an apprenticeship program that is, um, you know, uh, attracting newer people to the industry, as, as we right. were talking earlier on. Yeah. Um, education. Uh, there's a, uh, in our association, we have the um, Rhode Island Certified Horticultural Program that through the wintertime and through the year, um, 
we're helping people, which I, I became a certified horticulturist. This is a funny thing in, uh, about six, seven years ago. I've been in this my whole life. Right? <laughs> but now you're certified. Right, right. So, so I, 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 but wait a minute, this is important. Okay. I went to, I says, I could do this. This is going to be a cakewalk. So I've been in this my whole life. I went in there. I failed it the first year because <laughs> it, 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 the, the first time, my first time around, because I didn't know a couple of the plants that were on it. So it's, it's important for people to not look at what we do as a low point of entry of just mowing lawns. Absolutely. Yeah. So much yep. more. And a trade organization like Rindler can expedite the process of becoming very pro- professional and learning and staying ahead of things. I, I just think the association's great. And making a good living. Absolutely. Because that's a misconception that is out there. Right, right. And it, and the old days of the guy with his hat on backwards with the t-shirts and, you know, back and forth on the lawnmower, that, that, that's done. There's, there's so much more to it now. There's mm-hmm. so much more to it. There's the horticultural side. I try to tell people when people say, like, the Instagram, you're inspiring, learn the plants. That's yeah. where the money is. Hallelujah. Learn yeah. the plants. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. The, 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 not even you don't even have to learn how to design them. Just learn how to maintain them. Learn yeah. what goes where, what doesn't take the sun, what does take the sun. Colors. Just learn that, and that's going to put your your stock up so much higher that you can start. If all you're going to do is behind a lawnmower, you're gonna you're gonna find that glass ceiling really soon. Yeah. Yeah. You no know? doubt. Right. So. And I went I went to school for landscape architecture, and I came out of school, and guess what? I didn't know my plants. Yeah. <laughs> so they don't teach you that there. That's why. No, not, not to the degree that I needed to know. Right, right. So I had to go work in a nursery, uh, Saturdays and Sundays, 12 hours a day, 24 hours on the weekend to oh. learn my plants while I was working in a firm. Cause I had to get done and there was no way to just, you know, they threw me in the fire and like, here, sell these. Yep. So I had to learn. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, that, but trial by fire is a great way of going, at, going at it. And, uh, you know, my father with as little, ability to speak English and write English and everything. He learned his plants, but basically learned his plants by the gene. You know, it was a juniper. No, they, they were all just junipers. Right, right. <laughs> you know? Right. So at first I thought they were all junipers. Right. I mean, there was Squamata, there was a Blue Rug, there was so many other ones, so many different um, varieties. And that's when Tony came in. He's like, just when you're picking up the plant, name the plant, name it in your mind as you're putting it in the truck and I'd start, mm-hmm. And I learned that a huge appreciation for plants. And that was in the last 10 to 15 years. It wasn't even something that I had in me oh, no going into it early because mm-hmm. I wanted to mow and trim and put walkways and stone walls. And that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But I really got the appreciation for plants. And I think that's what a lot of the the community that we were just talking about, they miss. You know, yeah. they, they right. think it's too hard, but no, it's not that hard. You just got to put gotta commit in. to it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think you may use, you, you say something really important and that is, you know, there's th- the misconceptions about what being a landscaper yeah. is for sure. Sure. And I can tell you from personal experience working with our clients, um, I can't tell you how many people are unhappy with their landscaper and exactly. it's, it's because oh, yeah. a lot of people haven't taken the time to learn these things. And what I want to say is that. If you do learn these things and you take pride in your work and you put that detailed work in, yep. you will make a killing You'll because unfortunately there are a lot of people out there that aren't doing that. Yep. And you can set yourself apart so quickly yeah. by educating yourself and caring about what you do. Right. And it, puts you, it puts you in the power position. It puts you in a position where they're afraid to lose you. 
because you're right. you, you have the knowledge. If you have the answers right. for what they need and, and what you do actually comes through and really does well, it puts you in a position where they're afraid. That's what I've seen lately. You know, not lately, but through the years, you know, if a neighbor will ask us to come to do their property and from another property, like, you know, a neighboring property, mm-hmm. I'll tell them, no, I can't do it. I don't have time. Well, I'm right here, right next door. <laughs> says, yeah, but <laughs> says, it's not the point. I don't have the time to, I wouldn't be able to give you what you want. And then the customer, well, you know, uh, what's his name said you wouldn't do his work for you. He says, you're my priority. Right. I want you to be happy. All right, good. Good answer. <laughs> go, go to work. <laughs> Yes, right. I mean, we've had a few of our clients ask us, right? Oh, you guys should really, really start, oh, yeah. start the, doing that. We the have clients that want us to start doing almost, it. They're almost desperate. Yeah. And, and like what I think these other companies don't know, the dirty little secret is if you spend more time with them, you can actually Absolutely. they will pay more and, money. And you can take on less. Yes. Because you're going to well, get. Well, there's so much work under your feet. There's so much work under your feet. And I, I, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Marty Grunder. Um, he's, he owns a big uh, landscaping company in Ohio and he came to do a talk for Rinla. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he said that really resonated in my mind was you have two phone calls, right? You have the phone call, you know, it's an existing customer and you have a phone call that is a potential customer. Which one do you pick up? Most people are going to pick up the potential customer mm-hmm. because that's the biggest mistake you can do. All the work you need is really in your own base. Usually mm-hmm. in the maintenance end, I know that's different right. for you guys. Because, you know, you can just be walking and, and upsell with your internal customers without having to really go crazy trying to find all these other ones. So Interesting. You know, I think that resonates a little bit with what we do, not, not to, the, to scale as maintenance, um, but the, the returning customer aspect. I remember when we started this, I had somebody who's very close to me, a very successful businessman, um, first of all, question everything. Like, why would you get into this industry? That whole misconception, right, oh, sure. of this industry. Yeah, yeah. And Blue you, why would you want to work at someone's backyard? And then, you know, you're not going to have any return customers. You're going to build, you know, one project sure, and sure. then have to, you know, you'll never see those people again. And that is, you're right, it's not true because we've had, we've had return projects with people. Um, so picking up that phone call and making them that priority, that existing client. Right. You're right about that. I mean, we've done phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four sometimes. And then some of our clients have moved and we're doing their other residents. And some of them about beach houses and we're doing that residence. And then those people have kids. Oh, yeah. And then some of them get divorced. I'm waiting for that to happen. The kids it, it just, it, make it, me feel it, old. Well, no, but, but it's, it's true. We have um, my father's, one of my father's old friends and good customers. He's a manufacturing guy. He's got a huge manufacturing business. He's multiple. And we did his full landscaping at his property. It was in Lincoln. It was real far away from it. But it was my father's good friend. And he got divorced and had to buy another house. <laughs> so we landscaped this whole house. The wife loved him, so we had them to do with the wife. <laughs> That's interesting. The, ki- the, kids, the kids got into the business. They became very wealthy, too. Each kid. Yeah. Half of my customer base is this family that we just... You know, they're always wanting to do work for, but that's the, it just grows. If you yeah. can take care of that one person, if it wasn't for that aspect of my business, I wouldn't be, I would have to be bidding work all the time and, you know, having, being, being competitive is no fun either. I mean, not that it, you can't be competitive and it sounds funny, but in the commercial end of being competitive, you have to be low price. Right. Yeah. And that's absolutely no fun. What do you think the biggest challenge or the bigness, biggest weakness to the green industry is right now? I think, I think quality is, is starting to slip a lot. Uh, I think that whole it's good enough 
attitude is really starting to take hold. Um, I fear that people aren't being brought up with a strong work ethic that can handle this kind of work of being out in 90-something degree days and chipping stones and picking these heavy things up. There's going to be a lot of people. There's always going to be people that want to do it, but I think that's the diminishing thing that I see is is the amount of people that want to do it. And that can be a, a good thing in a way because in your case, as a stonemason, nobody wants to do this really that much anymore. Mm. So what does that do to you? It raises your stock in a mm-hmm. way because it's mm-hmm. going to be, a, you know, I always tell people get into the trades because they're going to be the doctors and the lawyers of the future because there's no one that really wants to do restorative masonry work right and newport is full of buildings that need to be yep. restored yep. and you're going to be able to name your price at that point and i i just think people are, are short-sighted on what is going to be the real work i mean i'm a big follower of mike rowe and his you know oh um, big fan yeah, we love him. absolutely yeah. Yeah. and and he they, they hit it on the, the button you know on the nose everybody's going to college to do work that isn't out there that really is in there's so much work that putting themselves in debt right yeah off the putting it in debt and 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 for work that they can't even pay when they get out mm-hmm. when there's the trades i mean not necessarily masonry landscaping green industry i'm talking you know, you know electrician plumbers hvac there's yeah. so much work out there that no one really wants to do anymore and it's it, that's i think that's gonna be the biggest obstacle that's what obstacle that i've seen over the last three four years just trying to find someone to work for me that can do work that has a detailed mindset that's has the integrity and the ability to just push through things i think that's going to be one of the hard parts right right do you think part of that quality issue too is that the people that are are out there aren't taking the time going back to something we had talked about before to educate themselves could be to take it it's as seriously as it should be taken in a way yeah and i wonder like there's this whole entrepreneurial mindset now where people are almost naming what they're going to do before they've gone through the steps in the process, right? Like they're staking their claim, but they haven't done what they need to do to get there. Well, it's, it comes down to, and, and like I said again, I don't like doing the millennial thing or the, or the young people thing, but patience. There's no patience for anything. Like to just stick something out and learn something. If they can't learn it, if people can't learn something today, and this is societal, I don't want to name any generation. Sure. If they can't learn something fast, it's not worth learning. It's like stonework. There's a there's a um, uh, a trend now for the adhered stone, mm-hmm. cultured stone. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't yep, know yep, what the, yep. the true word of it yep. is. I mean, you can see, I mean, I'm sure you can from far away a poorly done stone project that way because right away, yep. the bottom stone can't hold the top stone if it was a real stone. <laughs> and and that whole thing of learning that part, th- th- no one's teaching that anymore. It's just kind of like tile. Yeah, well, I think a lot of the, like, so the hardscaping industry, and I have this, um, I almost don't like the word hardscaping. Neither do I. That's a whole nother podcast yeah. not, that's, that's funny because i feel the same way so the, the the paper companies the big guys have done a great job marketing their products and teaching people how to install them properly so their products sustain right and making it an ease of installation yep. to a degree um, and i was talking with justin on our, our last podcast about this think about the people that can come in now and learn stonework real stonework working Real stone walls, mm-hmm. real stone patios. I don't have to, we don't have to bid against this big pool of people who can put a segmental patio together, a segmental wall where, 
you know, I'm almost like an outlier now. There's Absolutely. there's less companies that are doing the quality stonework. So teach yourself the different entities within the industry. When it's going back to your your statement about it takes time. Yeah, the natural stone is going to take yeah. more time than a segmental block wall, right? A concrete product. Yep. But it may it's gonna pay off for you in the long run. Right. You're gonna have you're bidding against less people. You're you're gonna be charging. Yes, it takes more time. Yes, you'll be on a job site more yep. you'll do less jobs per year yep. but you could charge more so it's it's all relative so set yourself apart within the industry but these things take time it takes patience it takes time mm. and it, it's and that in itself is a problem for the green industry because there's not gonna be that there's just the people aren't there it's all going to become that that segmented retaining wall work that's the scary part that i see in the future it's like is everybody going to be doing this kind of work? I mean, mm. what's going to happen with the stone? I mean, you got you, you put up a was it this morning you put it up where you detail cut a piece of stone? To yeah, yeah. Like, who's going to do that anymore? Who's <laughs> crazy and enough that, to that, do that? That's yeah. one of those jobs where it's been taking me longer than I thought. But I'm yeah. like, you know what? I started it. I, w- I had this vision. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to see it through. Then you stand back and you say, detail. this is awesome. I, it, it's it comes up. It, it actually you don't want it to make be become more than money but in many ways it is more than money i mean you, this is legacy it's something i can drive by some properties that my grandfather put stone walls on i can see the stone walls my grandfather put up nice that's legacy that's stuff awesome. your kids gonna be able to see the work you guys put yeah. up with in that yeah that doesn't happen with segmented retaining walls right. and, and it just gets torn up the next person that is going to tear it up and redo it again but for the most part with the stone work it's there forever well i would love to end this on a positive note so i would also enjoy your feelings on what makes the green industry special oh geez just being outside just being able to create and maintain and, and like for me just on a lawnmower looking at the ocean as i go to the you know it's just it's just being outside and being creative and being appreciated by your customers and doing things that are good for the environment it's just just nothing like it how can you do that in an office? And Right. You know, so, yeah. Even on your worst day, think about where you yeah. don't want to be. Well, the rainy days, I don't like being out there in the rain. That's one of the worst days. So we go home for that one. Go in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> that, that damn garage again. You're just rubbing it in. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I'll man. let you borrow it. Come on down. <laughs> <laughs> Show me how to fix stuff, man. Yeah, awesome. Paul, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. I had yeah, a great thanks, time. Man. Thank you.